Welcome to Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you're here in person and worshiping with us online. I am Pastor Bridie Roberts, the associate pastor here. Our senior pastor, Kathy Cooper Ledesma, is traveling for the Festival of Homiletics. I personally think she could be teaching a few workshops, but she's getting her soul and her mind fed there. We're eager for her to return next week, but we are so glad that you are here to worship with us. May this day be a good day. Amen. Please rise for our first hymn.
Good morning, Miss April. Good morning, Mr. Kevin. We are so excited to be here with all of you today and have our children's moments and tell you a little bit about what's going on in children's ministry. So Kevin, I know you prepared the children's sermon for today, so I can't wait to hear it. No, April. No, remember I emailed you about like you were gonna take this part, I was gonna do the prayer. I didn't we get gonna... the email. Uh, well, so I sent it. You know, we have this schedule and this plan, and you were so just supposed to be here this Sunday and, and you know, disappointing little children. Uh, did you check? I mean, maybe your spam. Your spam do you ever check your spam? It's really good to go through well, that Well, I mean, we did. Then. Did we just get a kitten, Annalie? Yeah, we just got a kitten named Beckett. And I have to say, uh, since we brought the kitten home, I haven't checked my email. Okay, so, all right. Well, so your fault. Can you no, just, I, I, mean, I technically kind of think it's your fault because we did have this schedule. Okay. So, okay. all right, let's time out. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> We're pretty good actors. We did have <laughs> acting training in the past. We really did prepare. <laughs> yeah. And this is it. <laughs> to, <laughs> prepare to improvise. <laughs> but if we hadn't prepared, and I was actually angry at April, right. which I'm not, mm -mm. but if I was, I would probably have to deal with my anger. Yeah. And take a step back and apologize for yeah. coming off really strong. And, and then I would step forward and apologize as well, um, saying I'm sorry. We work a lot about uh, saying I'm sorry uh, with Annalie. Do we practice saying I'm sorry a lot? Yeah. Isn't it funny how we talk to kids a lot about how important it is to ask for forgiveness, to say you're sorry. And then as we get older, have you noticed how hard that gets for us to do? And it's really challenging as adults to kind of own yeah. your own stuff, to ask for forgiveness, and then to receive someone's forgiveness and let it go. Yeah. It gets harder. I think that's kind of the hard part, um, both for us as adults and for young people. I have to say this one has a memory I cannot believe. Because <laughs> she'll say, remember that one time, Bubble, that's what she calls me, when I asked you to turn the light on and you said no, and that hurt my feelings. Yeah. Six months ago. <laughs> so we're still working on the yeah. letting it go and moving on. And I think that's the harder part, isn't it? Um, for us as adults and also for us to model that for the young people and also something that we can teach our young people is being able to have that moment to really just let it go and move on. That's what God offers us. And as we're studying in the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our sins Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I think that's the line that really gets me stuck sometimes that I have to keep practicing in that thing that we're working on with our young people to practice. See, it really was your turn to give the sermon. Oh, okay, yeah. so let's, um, let's pray and the children <laughs> will head off to Children's Church. <laughs> Father, God, creator of all, we uh, come to you humbly, ask you to keep working on our souls Continue to keep us soft. Help us to uh, let go when we have been hurt. Help us to ask for forgiveness when we have caused pain. Uh, we look at your words, Jesus, that you taught us in the prayer that you taught us to pray. Help us to mean those words, to own them, to understand them, and to continue as we grow older and more set in our ways sometimes uh, to continue to be people with soft hearts, offering forgiveness and offering uh, our own selves and our sacrifice. Thank you for today. Thank you for the children that are both here and at home. I ask that you would help us to guide and lead them and point them in the direction of your son. And it is his name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. As we head off to Children's Church and Youth Group, we ask the rest of you to please stand and pass the peace of Christ. And we will be in the chapel for Children's Church, so we'll meet you over there. And peace to all our folks at home. Let's give them a little love and the, the camera in the corner. I invite you to take your seats. To take a moment, just sit and take a deep breath. Let it out. One more. Let it out. I invite you right now to join us as we enter into this intentional time of prayer where we engage with God in that really personal conversation that is prayer and we open ourselves to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and over our lives. Please receive the opening intro to the time of prayer from our wonderful choir. Good morning. After the pastoral prayer, we will all pray the Lord's Prayer together. Loving God, please remind us during these very troubled, troubled times that we are not abandoned and we are not forgotten and that prayer can be so many different things it can be an opportunity to simply step away from our fear or our anger, our sadness or our regrets, and to maybe have our minds and hearts opened to some new insight, some forgiveness, or maybe some untapped supply of courage that we didn't even know we had. Prayer can be connection. Prayer can be a way to realize that we do not live alone. We do not grieve alone. We do not rejoice alone. And that if our prayer is answered, chances are it was also the answer to the prayers of many people who are around us, loving us, and wanting only the best for us. And sometimes prayer can be faith. Prayer builds the bridge that we have crossed over before in our lives, and chances are we will be crossing over it again in the future. And isn't it great to know 
that that bridge is always, always open. We thank you for these things, God. Please join me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are so grateful to be able to have the gifts of service from our loved ones who are even as far away as David Dean Petrell, who's in New York and still an active member of our congregation. Um, for those of you who are worshiping on Zoom and you'd like to participate in worship, we'd love to include you in ways like that, so be sure to let Reverend Kathy or I know. We have a few announcements about the life of our church. There's so much happening. We are back, friends. We are back, and we're so glad that you're here. Today after church, a group of us who have pre-registered are going to Food on Foot to help serve our unhoused neighbors at the LGBTQT Center here right in the heart of Los Angeles, right in the heart of Hollywood. Um, we would love, if, we're, if you're registered to go, <laughs> please be there at 1230. It's two hours, 1230 to 2.30. Be parked and inside at 12.30. And um, we're, hopefully we're gonna go back. So if you'd like to participate in the future, we're gonna have a moment for that. On June 5th, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we're gonna have an incredible celebration here. I heard there's a bunch of wonderful surprises, including a visiting choir. So be sure to be here for the church's birthday. On June 12th, our church will be participating in the Hollywood Pride Parade, the first time it's been here. It originated here just a few blocks from our church in the 1970s, and we're so excited to be able to go right from our church and join this. And if you would like to join us that day, let us know. We'd love to have you. June 19th is Father's Day. I heard there might be a barbecue in the works. So, I mean, if you were here for Mother's Day, you know we like to eat. So be sure to be here. Do what I'm gonna do, which is like either empire waist or like elastic banded pants, so I'm prepared. It's gonna be a good day to celebrate the, the people who father us in our lives, who we love, to break bread together, and to come together as a church. And as you know, all of the things that we do here at our church are made possible by the love of God, by the Christ who accepts and acknowledges us all, and by your generous gifts, which help this ministry reach out into the world and share the message of love and inclusion that is needed to be heard by all people. We are a church that believes on being outside our doors, and your generous offering makes it possible for us to do God's work in the world. So I invite you now to give as generously as you are able as the ushers come forward. Oh 
A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And when you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. This morning we continue our Eastertide sermon series entitled, Why Pray? As I mentioned earlier, Reverend Kathy is away at the Festival of Homiletics this week. And she has very carefully taken us on an exploration through the powerful daily prayer that Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer. Over the course of these six weeks, we are considering not just why to pray, but also how. Exploring elements of the Lord's Prayer as recorded in Matthew in the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And as a basis for the series, we are, have been reading Reverend Adam Hamilton's The Lord Prayer, The Meaning and Power of the Prayer that Jesus Taught Us. And if you haven't read it, I suggest you do. It's a quick and easy read, but it is a wonderful way to refresh us on elements of the prayer that may have become routine to us. Our Lord's Prayer has power in each and every one of its segments. We pray it not just because we should, but because of how it changes us. Being open with God changes us. Deeply embedded in this beautiful offerings are many of the great questions that we face today and in our lives each morning. And this week, after a careful exploration of each nugget that we've had over these past four weeks, we have found ourselves in a place where many of us have been before, in the world of temptation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I just want to preface this sermon by saying you cannot deliver a sermon on temptation and evil without touching on some of the things that have been happening in our world and our country over the past few weeks. And so I will be discussing some things, and I want to acknowledge that for some folks, it is not a news story. It's a living daily trauma. And so I will talk about these things with love and respect because they must be talked about from the pulpit. This is the church of Christ, and we have to tell the truth. Our scripture reading this morning takes us back to where it all began, in the sweet garden, free of turmoil and surf, uh, suffering, perfect weather every day, essentially Southern California without the traffic. <laughs> you don't have to wear clothes there because you're never going to get sunburned. There's still a complete ozone layer. And instead of watching cat TikToks for your dopamine rush, you get to hang out up close and personal with all of God's beautiful creations. 
and there are lots of tasty eats. It's all organic, very affordable. You never have to wait for a table in the Garden of Eden. There's no suffering. There's no loss. There's no want. But temptation still lives. Despite having everything one could want, darkness manages to move its way through the world. And in this story, in the form of a snake, planting doubts and inviting possibilities. Reverend Adam Hamilton points out in his book that the snake is especially convinced, or skilled at convincing the first people to partake in the forbidden fruit because he doesn't coerce or threaten. He doesn't bribe. He doesn't have to. He rationalizes. He offers reasonable ideas for why God might not want them to partake. And he invites them to make their own judgments about whether or not this seems fair. Eve contemplates the tree and its fruit. She sees its beauty, the nutrition that this food will surely bring, oh, and the opportunity to become wise. All clear bonuses. And Adam, well, he's more than happy to agree. It all sounds good to him. They come up with their reasons, and they choose. And they take the first bite. Now, it would be very tempting to blame this on the serpent. Or as many generations and types of Christianity have done with terrible consequences for women, on Eve. The truth is, temptation is all around us. It is a part of our world. It is a real and, and ever-present part of the human condition. Whether or not we respond to it, well, that, my friends, is the flip side of God's greatest gift to us, free will. I have led myself, me, I have led myself into temptation a fair few number of times. I mean, we all have, right? Don't leave Pastor hanging here. <laughs> I don't need the dark one to lead me to the free bowl of chocolates on the desk of my coworker. <laughs> my own legs get up there and take me on my own, sometimes on their own, multiple times a day throughout the week, sometimes more than they should. Temptation is present in many forms, and we don't always need a snake to take us. Often we have our own map. But sometimes it's innocuous. One more chocolate can't hurt, right? Sometimes it's deeply insidious. Choices that can hurt and destroy, that break relationships and trust, and turn worlds upside down. Often it's not so clear-cut. Sometimes the snake works its way into our lives by presenting us with the choice not to choose, telling us that the world's problems are too big, the suffering of the world is too great. What could we possibly do? Giving into temptation is not always doing the wrong thing. More often than not, I suspect the biggest temptation we face is to do nothing at all. When we know our voice our heart, our love is needed in the world. What we need is some guidance. 
Now this petition is our call on God to lead us. And that first line in this couplet can be a little confusing. Lead us not into temptation. Hmm, why would God ever lead us into temptation? There's a puzzler. Well, let me answer it quick, because we don't have 20 minutes today. I'm supposed to keep it to 15. Simply put, God wouldn't. God is our alternate to the dark one, our refuge from sin and brokenness. When we are feeling urged along the path of sin, it is because we are being taken further and further away from God. So no, we don't need to ask God for this favor. Reverend Hamilton suggests that what we need is a little bit of editing, a touch of punctuation to get it right. A helpful comma for a delightfully dramatic pause. And in this congregation, do we love a dramatic pause? I'm right, right? So let's say it together with this little helpful comma. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What if we put the emphasis on this prayer into what we need? Guidance. Reverend Kathy has reminded us throughout this sermon series that prayer changes us, that it shapes us, that being able to ask for help, being able to admit that sometimes we don't know the right way, that sometimes we can't find the way, is everything. Dear Lord, lead us. Because we need the help. Because even though most of us face fleeting temptations, real darkness exists in the world. Last weekend in Buffalo, a young white man fueled by hate that has been rationalized by white supremacist ideologies, that snake that whispers in the ear and both fans and feeds the darkness of ego and the weakness of pride, an ideology that is corrupt, godless, and evil, and so present in our world, walked into a grocery store and took the lives of God's beloveds. He went there to do that because of who they were, because they were black people, but he didn't go alone. He carried in him and around him the countless hours of popular media and their unchecked arguments that rationalize the racist, violent suppression of black people, of people of color, of immigrants and queer people and women and minorities and the vulnerable. The snake did not just whisper in his ear. The cunning rationalization of the dark one came over airwaves of the radio and on the television and through the mouths of bow-tied conservative pundits who keep on getting contracts even though they really need to sit down and be quiet in the mainstream press and enacted in courtrooms that will not prosecute the killers of black people but will persecute black people for everything else. And those voices, those choices, those decisions, those are the ones that our whole world has let take root when we fail to rebuke the evil when we see it. And lead us, not into temptation, but dear God, deliver us from evil. So the shooter made his choice that day. But the food that his the darkness in his coal consumed, that was a harvest that we allowed to ripen. 
The church is a powerful vessel for God and an incredible force for good and light and change. I believe that and that's why I'm standing here and I think that's why you're here today too. But sometimes good people have faith, have not only failed to act, they have sometimes let the darkness in. Reverend Hamilton reminds us that the church has stood by again and again and allowed violence and hate to be enacted in the name of God or ideas about God. And shamefully, sometimes the church has helped. During the Crusades, during the Holocaust, the sanctioning of enslavement of human beings in the United States, the backing of Jim Crow, conversion therapy, denying women education, equal standing, wages, and reproductive rights. Evil exists in the world. And sometimes it is very close. Sometimes it speaks in scriptures. Much like the devil did to Jesus when he tried to tempt him in the desert to prove his point. This evil cultivates friends and works through leaders and looks to harm under a false veil of light and human authority. And yes, I am looking at you, Justice Alito and friends. We see what you are doing. We know what you are doing. And so we need guidance, Holy One. Lead us, protect us, protect us from the worst parts of ourselves. Let us not give in to temptation. Let us not give up to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, Thomas Dorsey, this jazzy looking young man here, and who doesn't love a good hat? It's probably one of the first parents of gospel music. He grew up in the South, the son of sharecroppers and a preacher father. His life led him to Atlanta and then Chicago, and in the early 1920s was already combining his love of blues and their expression with his understanding of sacred music. He was a blues man and one of God's servants. Author Anthony Hilbert summarized Dorsey's influence by saying that he combined the good news of gospel with the bad news of the blues. In 1932, in a moment when his ministry and his music career were cresting and he was taking this powerful combination out to the world into new heights, his wife Nettie died in childbirth. And then 24 hours later, his son. His overwhelming grief prompted him to write one of the most famous and enduring compositions. Take my hand, precious Lord. Who knows that hymn? Let me see who knows that hymn. You know it, even if you think you don't know it. It lives inside you if you've ever been in a church. <laughs> precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on and let me stand, because I am tired. I am weak, I am worn. There are days when we cannot see our way out of the darkness. And sometimes we cannot see far enough in front of us to see where God is leading. And that's okay, because some days the hurt in our lives is more than we can bear. On those days, if you are tired, if you are weary, that is a good day to ask God to lead to acknowledge that in fact on most days we don't know the way, but we do need someone to lead us. Now, I recommend on your Spotify, or if you want, I've got it on vinyl, you can borrow it, to check out Aretha Franklin's version of this song. If you haven't heard that, you better hit it up because she takes this invitation, this call on God to lead and inserts a truth, a joyous truth that we know so well that takes us from the darkness to light. She sings over and over and over again. You've got a friend in Jesus. 
a mighty, mighty, mighty good friend in Jesus. And I want to go where that Jesus is leading us towards truth, towards light, to still waters that restore the soul. Temptation is real and the world succumbs to it over and over again. And inevitably, at different times, darkness emerges. But we will be delivered from evil because we have a friend in Jesus and in him there is no darkness at all. The darkness could not overcome the light. Can I get an amen for that one? Deliverance comes through this great love and who can be against us if God is with us? And we have a part to play too. When we resist temptation to accept the brokenness of the world, we become part of a revolution of love. Y'all wanna be in that revolution with me? Are you feeling it? There's chocolate there, it's true. <laughs> when we choose to hope instead of to, to give up, we are defying the darkness that seeks to distort God's word, truth. We don't resist because we wanna be delivered. Friends, we have been delivered. We resist because this is what love looks like. Our faith will make us whole. There are many challenges ahead of us to be sure, but we are never alone. This spring, a draft decision from the Supreme Court was prematurely leaked, expressing a cadre of conservative justices' intentions to challenge the Roe versus Wade decision that recognized that women should have power and control, not only over their reproductive freedom, but their life and their future. This act, if it's overturned, this decision by the court will create serious health risks for many women and also systematically strip us of our basic elements of our personal autonomy and our right to privacy. The United Methodist Women, who now go by United Women of Faith, have issued a powerful alarm to the people of faith and to the people who are not of faith. In part, it reads this way. We call on federal and state legislators to act to protect the lives of women and girls by codifying their right to privacy, to legal and safe contraceptives, and in tragic conflicts of life with life abortions. State-coerced motherhood, like state-coerced sterilization, undermines the women's ability to carefully discern and follow God's calling in their lives. I know about you all, but I was raised by United Methodist women. They pulled my ear, they pushed me forward, they invited me to the pulpit, and I think they have something to say right now. Fundamental to this debate is the protected right to privacy that women should enjoy to protect their health and lead their lives. And the protection of this right will be stripped away and left to the hands of elected legislators at the state level to decide. It is the same right to privacy that plays a pivotal role in guaranteeing rights uh, to the women to have contraception. In Louisiana, they have decided to introduce legislation limiting contraception for women and banning IUDs outright. Protecting private consensual relationships between adults, you know what that means, and same-sex marriage. Wherever you may be sitting on the issue of choice, and that's an okay place for you to sit, Please understand the far-reaching implications of legislation that undermines what God has given each of us by birthright, the right to determine our own futures and live with love and happiness. Now, as people of faith, 
we have an opportunity to bear witness to this. The church must bear witness to this. It has no choice. This photo is the marquee in front of the General Board of Church and Society building right next door to the Supreme Court. If you've never been there, it is literally right next door to the Supreme Court. The justices have to see this if they're going to lunch. It is the only faith building on the hill. It is owned by the United Methodists, and it is called the God Box, and it houses a host of, of uh, progressive religious arms working on issues that affect the most marginalized in our communities. It speaks the truth. Christ trusted women. They were an integral part of his ministry and his life, and they are an integral part of his ministry now in the world. We have to ask ourselves, Will we follow Christ and trust women to make their own choices? We must name this from the pulpit because too many pulpits preach something else. So I thank you for giving me the time to do it today. And I will say it with clarity for every child who has ever wondered, every woman who has told that they are something else, our leadership, our autonomy, and our sacredness is an essential part of this working world. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me say it again for the people in the back and the haters who watch us online at Hollywood because they don't like what we preach. Our leadership, and I'm talking about all women, not just people born women, all women, our leadership, our autonomy, and our sacredness is an essential part of this working world. I am a woman. Now, this is where my need my song. Oh, John. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not that, sorry. <laughs> he, he was teasing me earlier. We should do um, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar, right? <laughs> I'm going to sing it right now. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm a woman. I am a minister of the Christian gospel, even though when I was growing up, people told me I couldn't be. I am a blessed child of God. My body and my choices are not up for debate because I am not going back. We are not going back. And so I want you to say that with me when it sounds right. We will love who we love. We are not going back. We will marry who God calls us to marry. We are not going back. This is the church of Christ and we love all people. We are not going back. And why should we? Because we are going where God is leading. Am I right? Amen. We are in the hands of God and we are loved. We are needed and there is hope. We need not fear the evil of this world because we have the one that guides us through the storm, through the night. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Will you rise with me as we pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever. Amen. God's peace in your heart like a river. We are not going back because we are going where God is leading us. And that is not only to the still waters, but to the beloved community where all call home, all are loved, and all are known for who they truly are. Go in peace and do not be afraid because when God is with you, who can be against you? Amen.